It is day three of Daf Tess. We are holding the Gemara on Daf Tess and Madalaf right at the top of the page on the very first line. The Gemara continues with a Brysa Tonner Rabban and the Rabbis taught in a Brysa Yovel He. It is Yovel. Where is this Pasuk quoting from? So this is a Pasuk that we've quoted several times already in the Gemara. The Gemara, when it's describing Yovel, has a series of Sukkim in Vayikra chapter 25, verses 9, 10, 11. In verse 9, the Torah talks about the requirement for shofar. shofar On the 10th of Tishrei and Yom Kippur, they should sound the shofar. That's one of the things that kind of defines Yovel. In the next passage, in verse 10, the Torah says, You shall sanctify the 50th year. You should have a Doror, which we translate as a liberty. In other words, all the slaves should go free. That is also a key component of Yovel. So you've had so far shofar in the previous passage. Then the freeing of slaves. Then the Torah says, Yovel hi It shall be Yovel for you. And the next part of the passage says, People should go back to their ancestral properties. So three requirements of Yovel surrounding these two words the Bryce is quoting, Yovel he. The first requirement in verse 9 is the sounding of the shofar. The second one is that the slave should go free. Then we have the words Yovel he. And immediately after that there is a requirement that the ancestral lands return to their original owners. So this Bryser is going to deal with these requirements and explain whether they are all key components of Yovel without which Yovel cannot really be said to be Yovel or whether we can live without some of them and still have Yovel. And the key assumption in the Bryser is that the word Yovel in this two-word phrase Yovel he, the word Yovel is inclusionary. It comes to say, hey, it's Yovel whether or not you do some of these things, it remains Yovel. And the phrase he, the word he in the phrase Yovel, he is exclusionary, which comes to tell us there are some things without those things, it's not Yovel. He, you need those things or otherwise it's not Yovel. So we have two, two parts of this phrase. One of them is working completely opposite to the other. Yovel means it's Yovel whether you do these things or not, whether you have shofar, whether you free the slaves, whether you return properties to ancestral heritage or not. And he is working completely the opposite, that you need these things, or at least some of them, otherwise you do not have a Yovel year. And that's going to be the subject of the Machlokas, the dispute in the Brysa. So the Brysa continues, Yovel he. It is Yovel. Afal pi shomtu, afal pi toku. The first opinion is that the inclusionary term Yovel tells us it's Yovel even if people did not abandon their fields to the ancestral owners. Even though they didn't blow shofar which are the third and first requirements mentioned in the Psukim, it remains Yovel and it will be forbidden to work the land because it is Yovel, even if they didn't blow shofar and even if they didn't return the properties, the, the ancestral properties to their original owners. Yochol, you might have thought, that Yovel takes effect and you're prohibited from working even if they didn't release the slaves, which was the second requirement in the Psukim that we read. Talmud he. So the puzzle comes to say, Yovel, he, that it is Yovel, to teach you that you need that. You need the releasing of slaves, otherwise you do not have a Yovel year and you do not have a prohibition of working the land. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda essentially says, when we look at these psukim, we have a first requirement to blow shofar, a second requirement to release slaves, then we have the words Yovel he, and then we have a requirement to release ancestral lands to their original owners. He says the word Yovel teaches us 
It's always Yeovil, even if you don't blow shofar, which is the first requirement, and even if you don't release the ancestral lands to their original owners, which is the third requirement. But when the Torah says, he, Yeovil, he, that comes to teach you, it's only Yeovil if you release slaves. You don't release slaves, you've got no Yeovil, and then you wouldn't have any prohibition to work the land. This is the view of Rabbi Yehuda. It's not immediately clear why he holds that, because as we've explained, there are two phrases here, Yovel and he, one is inclusionary, one's exclusionary. Why did he decide to include the requirement to release slaves, that that has to be done in the Yovel year, and the other requirements, that blowing the shofar and releasing the ancestral properties, those are not integral, those are not key to having a Yovel year. We're going to have to explore that more as we go on in the Gemara. But that's Rabbi Yehuda's position. Rabbi Yossi, Omer Rabbi Yossi says, I've got a different interpretation. Yovel he, it's Yovel. Even if they did not abandon their fields to the ancestral owners. That abandoning fields to ancestral owners is not required. Also, and even if they didn't release their slaves, it remains Yovel and you can't work the land, even if they didn't release the fields or the slaves back to be free, back to their ancestral owners. You might have thought Yovel takes effect even if they didn't sound the shofar. So the pastor comes to say, he. No, it's only Yovel if you blow the shofar. If you don't blow the shofar, you can't get to Yovel. So we've got a machlokas here in the Tanoim, which is the one thing that is critical to Yovel. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it is the sending out of slaves, whereas the other two things, blowing the shofar and releasing the ancestral properties, is not integral to Yovel. According to Rabbi Yossi, it's not the releasing of slaves that's critical, it is the blowing of the shofar that's critical. The other two requirements, releasing slaves and releasing ancestral properties, Yovel can live without those things. Rabbi Yossi explains his reasoning. We don't have initially an explanation for Rabbi Yehuda, but the Gemara will question that later, but Rabbi Yossi gives a reason why does he think it's the blowing of the shofar that's critical. Since, as we've said, we have two parts to this phrase, the word Yovel, is inclusionary and says Yovel will always take effect regardless of whether you keep these laws. And he is exclusionary, which implies you need these laws in order to have a Yovel. So, why did I decide to say that sending away the slaves and also releasing ancestral properties are not required and you can still have a Yovel without those things, but you can't have a Yovel without Tekir Shofar? Why did I choose to explain the Psukim in that way? He says, because it's possible the world will be without the opportunity to perform freeing of slaves. But it's impossible that the world will be without the opportunity to perform the sounding of the shofar. In other words, Rabbi Yossi says there could come a time when there are no Jewish slaves anywhere in the world. And therefore there's no opportunity to release a slave. However, it is impossible to imagine a time where there will be no shofar available anywhere in the world. And therefore, we can assume the Torah won't make Yovel dependent on something which might prove impossible to perform. And that's why Rabbi Yossi says, I don't think releasing slaves is integral to Yovel. Similarly, the Mepharshim explain, that's also true of releasing ancestral lands. It's possible to imagine a world where there was no purchase of these lands and therefore no need to return them. But when it comes to Tekiah Shofar, it's impossible to conceive of a world with no Shofar. And that's why he says, this is why I believe Shofar is critical to Yovel, but the other two things are not. 
I'll give you another reason, Rabbi Yossi says. Why do I consider shofar to be integral? Because the requirement to blow shofar is within Beistin's power to perform. Beistin controls that requirement. But the releasing of slaves or the releasing of ancestral homelands is not within Beistin's power. No one can stop Beistin commanding their messenger, their agent, to sound the shofar. But granting a slave freedom is in the hands of individual masters. If someone refuses to carry out that obligation, he'll cause Yovel to be negated. We cannot have a situation, the Chazal would not have allowed a situation, where the negation of Yovel could come because of individuals choosing not to obey the Torah. But the Beistin, we trust the Beistin to keep the Torah's law and blow the shofar. And therefore, that's why, that's the second reason why he holds shofar is integral to Yovel, but the other things are not. My Davracha, the Gemara says, why did Rabbi Yossi need two reasons? Why wasn't the first reason good enough to justify his point of view? Remember, his first reason was you, can't con- you can conceive of a world where there's no releasing of slaves, but you can't conceive of a world where there's no shofar. And the second reason he gave was that blowing the shofar is within the power of Beistin, whereas releasing slaves is not. So why did he need the second reason? What was wrong with the first one? Because you might have said, you might have said, what do you mean you can conceive of a world where there's no re- re- releasing of slaves, where no one is releasing any slaves? How could that be? Surely it would be impossible that there isn't at least someone somewhere in the world who's releasing a slave. And therefore he comes along and says, He says, you could reject my first reason. You could say, what do you mean you can conceive of a world where there's no releasing of slaves? Surely that's actually not conceivable. Surely there will always be slaves in the world being released. So he gives the second reason as well. We're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.